everybody, and welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we're back with another exciting episode. This is both a not just WrestleManias edition of All the WrestleManias, where we talk about a pay-per-view that's not a WrestleMania, and it's also a We Were There edition. So we thought it would be fun to go back through our own collective wrestling history and review some shows where one or the other of us were actually in attendance. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the 1994 King of the Ring from Baltimore, Maryland, where Mr. Sigwald, your co-host, my buddy, was actually in attendance. And so Rich has some stories to regale us with. He is very famous. He had a Jerry Lawler sign on the air. I'll tell you all about. Um, and we're going to, you know, sort of do our usual thing where we kind of look at the matches, but we'll have a nice twist in that one of us was actually there to, to witness this thing. So picture it. Arbutus, Maryland, 1994. (laughs) So I grew up in a community called Westland Gardens. Um, It's right outside the Beltway, right on Wilkins Avenue, if you're familiar with that, the Baltimore area. It's a fairly low-income community at that point. At this time nowadays, it's more like a satellite off-campus private housing for UMBC, uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. But uh, back in the day, it was just um, low income housing built right after World War II. Um, And so there was a shopping center right down the street uh, that my friend and I would walk to almost every day, just especially during the summers and near the end of school year. So there was a, a sign up at the Farm Fresh grocery store. That said, uh, they were having a giveaway for four tickets to the King of the Ring in Baltimore on Father's Day. And the week before, Macho Man Randy Savage in the evening was going to be at that grocery store signing autographs. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Holy shit. So, like, you know, we're already running our own little backyard wrestling thing in the neighborhood and stuff like that with like 30 different kids in it so like wrestling was the dominant force of our community it was the glue that brought everybody together pretty much so my friend joey and i would walk down to the farm fresh like every day and just grab stacks and stacks of entry forms to this drawing because they didn't put any rules or limits on it or anything like that and we would just sit outside the store on the on the sidewalk, filling out all the all these little slips with our names and phone number and address, and then go back in and stuff them in the box. <laughs> the drawing was going to be on the same day that Macho Man was there, so uh, I got down to the Farm Fresh in the evening and got in line for my Macho Man autograph. And so I got to meet Macho Man Randy Savage. It was really cool. He was like the first wrestler I met. I mean. That's a that's a pretty big one. Yeah, and he's wearing the exact same outfit there that what he wore to the King of the Ring, the bright orange and black with the streamers on the jacket. I think I still have the autograph photo somewhere. I'll have to look for it. If I find it, I'll put it up on the website and on uh, on our Facebook. Yeah, you need to dig that up post-haste. So I get in line, go through the line, get my autograph, talk to Macho Man briefly. I probably said something stupid to him because I'm, I'm 13 years old and 
fucking snap it to a Slim Jim guys in front of me. Like, <laughs> and he's at the farm fresh in Arbutus. Like, what the hell is going on with life right now? That's surreal. If you knew Arbutus and you knew Arbutus back in this time and knew the farm fresh, like the farm fresh was the low quality grocery store in the area. The giant food was the nice store. The farm fresh was kind of the shittier store, but you could run in there for a loaf of bread or milk or something like that. Cause it was easier to walk to than the giant. The giant was fairly close, but you had the cross Wilkins Avenue, which was taking your life in your own hands to do. Our equivalent was the super fresh. The giant was the nice store. The wise, the giant and wise were sort of like there were camps, right? Right. Uh, but th- those were the nice ones. And then there was the super fresh farm fresh later becomes a, a shoppers and then it becomes a Mars. And then, and I don't know what it is now. I haven't been back to the old neighborhood to see it in a while. I get my picture with Macho Man and I go back home and I get in my pajamas because, you know, I got to go to bed soon and like just sit around and watch TV. And dad had just gotten home from work and our phone rings. And my mom answers it. And she gives a big scream and she turns to me and tells me, you won. Like, and I couldn't believe it. I was freaking out. Like I won the drawing. I can't believe, I can't believe I actually won something. We never win anything. Now there's a good chance that me and my friend, Joey, 80% of the ballots in that box are probably from one of us. And we had a deal that we would take the other person with us. Yeah. That's, that's, that's only fair. That's only fair. (laughs) So, uh, it was, it was a lot, a lot of, a lot of ballot stuffing there. So, um, now as a, as an adult, I'm like, well, no wonder I won. Like I, I was, <laughs> I was some asshole kid going down there, just cramming my name by the hundreds into that box. There's some Chicago politics shit right there. Right. <laughs> like I'm breaking kneecaps and, and kissing babies and palming hundred dollar bills to people to win tickets to the King of the ring. So found out I won and it's on father's day. And so my dad's like, well, it's father's day. Like, well, yeah, dad, you have the car. So you, (laughs) you're driving. You're my father. You're taking Um, me to this. uh, So I called Joey immediately and tell him that we won. So he's got to keep Sunday clear. Um, And then my dad and I, I'm in my pajamas just with like shoes slipped on, no socks or anything like that. Drive. We have to drive down to the farm fresh that night to pick up the tickets. Otherwise I'll draw someone else's name which would probably end up still being me. Uh, (laughs) I'll see. Our first winner was a no show. So it's time to pick another winner. And it is Rich Sigwell. Hey, uh, (laughs) good job. Good job, kids. Yeah. So uh, we go down there and we go to the customer service window and we get, we get our tickets. Uh, I can't believe it. We got four tickets. And so my dad tells me that it'd be nice if we invited my grandfather to come along. And I was like, does he even watch wrestling? He's like, I don't think so. Okay, well, we can certainly ask him to go. And he actually went. It's one of the few things uh, that I ever did with my grandfather was to go to this event. Wait, wait, was your grandfather Art Donovan? You know, they did bear a striking resemblance, but <laughs> did they no. ask a lot of the same questions during the show. Uh, no, thankfully, oh, my okay. grandfather was a little bit more together than than okay. Art is during this program. Yeah, we'll um, we'll get to that here in a minute. Did Joey want to take his dad to be in Father's Day, or did Joey not have a dad? 
Uh, Joey's dad was MIA. Uh, uh, I don't want to go into his personal story. I'm still, I'm still Facebook friends with him, and he was a really great guy, and he's now a minister of some sort, I yeah. believe. Um, it's kind of funny, though, that like uh, a couple years ago, right before the pandemic, I played in a production of Newsies, and it was at a church, and I'm unpacking my stuff, and I look over and I see a book that has his name in gold leaf engraved onto the book. And I'm like, Joey, is, is, is this you, Joey? And he's like, yeah, that's totally me. That's the church that I'm like studying for before monastery or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's really cool. Like it was just like a weird coincidence that we crossed paths again after so hmm. long. Anyways. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. No, that sounds, no. That's cool. That That's cool that you got uh, three generations to go. Yeah. Uh, so it's me, my dad, Joey, and my grandfather, and we all piled down to the Baltimore arena that night. And I initially thought that we had won like ringside seats or something like that. Cause I'm like 13 years old. It's like, of course, <laughs> of course the prize is going to be really good seats. Yeah. They're mediocre seats. You get an idea where the seats are actually during the buy-in uh, freebie show. Because my seats are right near where uh, Todd Pettengill is set up to do the 30-minute countdown to the show where he's begging you to buy the pay-per-view. So call your cable company now. Get on the line. You don't want to miss this spectacular event from the Baltimore Arena. But right, pretty much right as the show goes on the air, you can see this glittery sign that says, Jerry Lawler rules. That's me. That's me. That's my sign. I know him. That's me. And on the back of that sign was the bracket tournament that I had been, that I made for myself at home that I kept track of everything, including the qualifiers and stuff like that, because I wanted to be informed and know who I was going to see at the King of the ring. Um, I was very excited to say the yeah, least. It sounds like it. And it was a good time. And it's funny that like, I really, I remember going to the show. I remember winning the tickets, but I didn't remember the actual show very well to where I had forgotten that this was uh, the first time that I saw Brett versus Diesel and um, in person. And uh, I forgot that they were that they were on this card as opposed to when I saw them at Survivor Series at the U.S. Air Arena in D.C. So... Hmm. But yeah, we should get into this program here. Yeah, let's go for it. So, as you mentioned, this is 1994. It's June 19th, 1994, Father's Day. The tagline for this one is the perfect Father's Day card. So I don't know. You can agree or disagree with that one. It was held at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. The Baltimore Arena is sort of right downtown. It has had many, many names over the last 20 to 30 years. I've been there when it was the Royal Farms Arena. I was there when it was the... I think it was the Baltimore Arena when I was there for a Raw in 97 or so. Um, it was the first Mariner Arena for a while. It was the Baltimore Civic Center originally. I think it may actually be the Baltimore Arena again. They may have, I think they lost their sponsorship or their between sponsorships, or maybe they're back to Royal Farms. I'm not sure. But um, attendance on this one was 12,000. Pay-per-view buy rate was 185000 So on commentary on the mic for this one, we've got the inimitable Gorilla Monsoon back after a bit of a layoff from the commenting desk. Uh, the macho man, Randy Savage, just directly from his bravura performance at the local uh, 
supermarket there and um, <laughs> former defensive tackle for the Baltimore Colts, Art Donovan, is here as a guest commentator, and old Art is delightful. He seems to be having a good time, but he is completely out of his depth uh, throughout this event. He has really no idea who anybody is, uh, what the stories are, whether he should react or how. Sort of listening to him is, I will say, is one of the highlights of this particular event um so unfortunately you missed that when you were there live though yeah i i i didn't get to enjoy him at all in the live event what is interesting i was just googling was that uh at this point the second ever hall of fame induction ceremony happened in baltimore uh right before this event oh wow it's interesting that i i it feels like that they were actually trying to to actually associate the induction uh, with the King of the Ring because the 95 induction happens in Philadelphia at, uh, right before the King of the Ring event. And then the 96 one go- it moves the Survivor Series. And then there's a long um, hiatus, it looks like. And then they start doing it at WrestleMania in 2004. Hmm. Interesting. Who got in that year, does it say? Uh, yeah, so that year, inducted in Baltimore, so they most likely were in Baltimore, was uh, Arnold Scaland, uh, Bobo Brazil, hmm. uh, Buddy Rogers, Chief J. Strongbow, Classy Freddie Blassie, Gorilla Monsoon, and James Dudley. So Gorilla Monsoon was probably there because of this, and so that's probably why he came back to commentate, was because yeah. he was already in town. Interesting. Yeah, that's a hell of a roster. And of course, Bobo Brazil, we talk about on our episode about black representation in professional wrestling, which if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and give that one a spin. That's actually one of our favorites that we've done so far. Poor old Art Donovan. He's, oh, he's so he's lost. Here. <laughs> he's so lost. And he will, uh, throughout this event, whenever someone will come to the ring, he will ask, how much does that guy weigh? <laughs> yeah. How much, how, how much do you think that guy weighs? <laughs> Over and over and over again. And so. at, at first, Macho Man is really sweet to him. He's really nice. He's, yeah. He's being very patient and calm and understanding and trying to explain professional wrestling the best way he can to Art Donovan. And he always calls him Art Donovan, too. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, Art Donovan. <laughs> he can't he can't stop calling him Art Donovan. Like it's <laughs> it's this one name. Uh, <laughs> do you think like, Mach- do you think Macho Man thinks that's like his handle? Like, is that's not his real name? It's like it's, it's possible. Like Art Donovan, Bill Smith, or whatever. He's he's cutting a promo on Art Donovan yeah. the entire time. <laughs> the cream of the Art Donovan. But you do get interesting insights into wrestling from Macho Man because of Art Donovan's this complete bumbling idiot persona that he's he's uh, displaying here. I don't understand though why art donovan is there except for they're trying to make this event possibly as baltimore as possible um so you put art donovan in there uh you get shots of the harbor and stuff like that you have them actually sing the national anthem before the show so you and you get a great big baltimore oh going into the last strain um 
it's very Baltimore. There's angry East Baltimore people sitting near the front that you can hear screaming the entire time. Oh yeah. Cranky old ladies abound. Oh yeah. You can hear there's this one old lady though, that she's like perfectly sat near the mic or something. You can just hear her. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Asshole! 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 Like, oh, God, this deep Baltimore. Like, you know she, she grew has. up on Eastern <laughs> Avenue and has not left that block in 50 years. You know, she has those painted screens on her house. Oh, yeah. She's still scrubbing her marble steps. Yep. So, are we ready to talk about the actual uh, event here? So, as usual, there's a, a tournament, right, to uh, get to the King of the Ring. So, there's there's brackets. Um, sort of like we noticed with the the Wrestling Classic, they have kind of a, a low-tech um, Michael's Crafts uh, bracket board, right? This one's even worse because I think it's actually just taped to, like, a mobile chalkboard. Yeah, it's very, very low rent. Like, even then, you could tell how shitty the Baltimore arena was, just yeah. like from all the backstage uh, things. So, But first up in the... Well, first there's a dark match that we don't see with um, Thurman Plug, uh, who is actually Bob Holly, um, something you learn every day, uh, against Quang, who is actually Juan Rivera, very famous Puerto Rican wrestler with Harvey Whippleman in... Quang's corner. Um, that this is not on the on the peacock, and I yeah I'm not I uh, I have questions. Uh, but the first proper match here is Razor Ramon versus Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bam Bam has Luna Vachon in his corner. Uh, this is the first. This is what the first of the quarterfinal matches for the tournament. This is a really great match. Um, it really gets the show going good. It also really gets you into Art Donovan and what he's <laughs> going to present through this whole show. It's where the first time he asks, "How much does that guy weigh?" Gorilla also refers to Art Donovan by the name Art O'Donnell. Um, <laughs> so, like the commentary is off to a great start. Art Donovan comments about Luna Vachon. What's that woman over there screaming at? <laughs> yeah. And then I think <laughs> Macho Man's just like, Oh, that's Luna Vachon, Art Donovan. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> that's to explain her presence. Bam Bam has a uh, razor in like a back, like a, like a torture rack kind of thing across his back. And, uh, Art graciously asks gorilla gorilla. Is he dead? <laughs> Oh my god! It's I, you know, I I laughed along as I was watching it, but it's it's still so funny, like just to hear it out of context now. Yeah, he's I mean, Bam Bam is a big guy, obviously, and and Art is obsessed with how much Bam Bam must weigh, um, and whether he could have played, you know, center tackle or, um, outside lineman or whatever. Yeah, Art yeah. is building a football team yeah. out of this yeah. entire event. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting, too, because every match here, pretty much, with the exception of maybe, like, Jeff Jarrett versus one two three kid has somebody in it who's, like, very large or very athletic-looking. So he's, you know, he's got lots to pick from. Yeah, and you can hear the Baltimore accent in the crowd of boos uh, <laughs> for Bam Bam Megala. The boo! Boo! It's so bad. It's so it's so delightful and bad at the same time. The other thing I really liked about this pay-per-view is Razor Ramon is all over it. We get oh, yeah. uh, three different 
Razor Ramon matches. He makes it all the way to the finals. Hey, spoiler alert. Um, and, you know, having just talked about Scott Hall a little bit and thinking about some of some of the really great work that he did over his career, it's nice to see him here in, you know, peak physical condition, prime, you know, Razor gimmick, uh, really getting it on with some, like, top-notch talent. Yeah, and he's you can see that he's he's an incredible talent. You see how fast he is in this. And like Bam Bam is also really impressive in this match. Like both of them put on a great show like right away. I actually thought that these guys would have made a great intercontinental title feud at some point. That would have been really engaging and a great storyline, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Bam Bam's one of those guys I, I, the, I I'm always impressed when I see some of his older stuff. So, um, so Razor Ramon takes that one, moves on, bam, bam, and that woman screaming over there go off, uh, off to the back. Next up is uh, Mike Rotunda in his Irwin R. Shyster IRS gimmick versus Mabel. And we've uh, raved about Mike Rotunda before. Um, this is, I, I thought this was another great match, honestly. Yeah. Um, and to watch him work with somebody of Mabel's size. And make it look convincing and like a real contest and even technical at a few points, I thought was a real accomplishment. You can really see how um, sound Mike Rotunda is in in the rudimentary skills of, of professional wrestling. He hits the ropes great. He has great punches. He sells great. Like he's like really selling this whole uh, back and forth with Mabel and that like just it's incredible and there's more amazing art donovan lines in this match uh art donovan points out that like wait those two are going to wrestle that's not fair (laughs) and macho man responds to him life's not fair art donovan (laughs) it's good it's a good thing macho man's here to counsel art donovan yeah time of need and then art also asks you two guys enjoy doing this yeah (laughs) I almost wish I would have been home as a 13-year-old to watch this broadcast instead of there. But, you know, oh, it's such a hard life having to win free tickets to the King of the Ring. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's right. You worked hard for those tickets. Yeah. We were were really dedicated uh, because there was no way in hell we were going to get a ride out to the Hex to get in line at Ticketmaster to buy tickets. Yeah, Um, Uh, That was for suckers. I know. Uh, There's a really impressive small package uh, (laughs) You don't. You wouldn't expect to say something like that with this match, but like Mabel rolls Mike Rotunda IRS up into a small package, um, and it's, it's probably if we were doing one, one of my holy shit moments, just because it's like, yeah. what? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and somehow Rotunda kicks out of it, and but it's convincing that he kicks out of it. That like he's so strong that he can still push out of uh, Mabel's 500 pounds on top of him. Yeah, this is really, I I enjoyed this match quite a lot. Um, And I thought, I think you you and I both actually thought the same thing, that this was the King of the Ring that Mabel wins. And so I was kind of surprised when he (laughs) he lost. And it turns out we were thinking of the next year's King of the Ring where he does win um, that one. Hey, spoiler alert again. So, but IRS, uh, Mike Rotunda moves on. The other thing I just note about him is he seems to have gotten larger, like larger and more muscular. Um, yeah, he's looking, he's looking really strong and ripped here. And like that white dress shirt is like skin tight on him and he sweats through it immediately. (laughs) 
Yeah, we noticed on the Chai Town Rumble how how much that dude sweats. Um, and yeah, I noticed the same thing here. It's, I mean, he's, you're in the ring with Mabel, you're going to sweat. Yeah, I was sweating so. just thinking about it. Next up, we've got Owen Hart versus the Native American Tatanka, which is how they refer to him. Like anytime they can't just say Tatanka, it's the Native American Tatanka. Did you notice that? Yes, he's always the Native American Tatanka. Over and over and over, over and again. over again. So the Native American Tatanka and Owen Hart give us a great match. Oh my god, this was a good one. They they were moving a million miles an hour. Uh Tatanka actually goes flying out of the ring and lands on his feet. I could yeah. that was uh, an impressive spot. Uh Owen Hart here is looking like a million dollars. He's he is chiseled, he is cut, he is lean, and um, just got everything together. Yeah, they um, they put on a hell of a show. They're they're both super athletic, super muscular, very fast. Um, they do they do take it out of the ring, like you said. Um, there's a there's a nice sleeper hold by um, by Owen at one point, and then Tatanka actually catches him with a DDT, which is pretty cool. Um, this was a great match. Like I didn't. Yeah. Again, I didn't really have any expectations, but then it's a little over eight minutes, but it's like a fast eight minutes. Yeah, and Owen lands a, a tight drop kick from the top rope that's um, really textbook and beautiful. Um, and at one point, Macho Man says, I don't know what it is, but the wrestlers are getting faster and stronger every year. It's steroids. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I have, Macho Man. I have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> It's called it's called steroids. It's he knows exactly what it is, right? Because if you look at him in this, and then you look at him in five years later in WCW, the dude is looking like Scott Steiner. So he he is not unfamiliar. (laughs) Yeah. Next up, um, are we done talking about Owen and Tatanka? Yeah, Owen steals this one in a little bit of a dirty finish, but uh, so Owen is now moving on with the tournament. Yeah, and I will say, uh, um, this is. So it's one of those cases, maybe a rare case, where like the the two best guys, the two most impressive guys, are the ones that keep moving on. Um, and so we get to see both Owen and Razor uh, three times each in the course of this event, which is fantastic because uh, they're both just top of their game here. Absolutely. After that is the one, two, three kid, later known, of course, as X Pac, uh, known as Sean. Waltman, of course. Um, he is like 12 years old here. He looks like such a freaking baby. He's actually 20. I think he's like, 22. like 21, 22 at this match. Yeah. This is this is like right after him uh surprising Razor Ramon and Ted DiBiase uh with with wins. So right. Yeah, he was um he was he had a, a nice little push around this time for um just he would kind of come out of nowhere because he was so scrawny looking. <laughs> uh, and he's there against Jeff Jarrett, who we called out on our retrospective episode as one of the worst gimmicks of uh, yeah this time period. And his bullshit fake country music guy routine. The card of this entire show actually reeks of the click of um, Shawn Michaels. One, two, three kid is in the click. And so is Diesel. Uh, they're the founding three members. And so like one, two, three kid is just now showing up and he already has wins over Scott Hall, Razor Ramon and uh, um, uh, Ted DiBiase. And now he's going to have a, a win over Jeff Jarrett. Um, Diesel, who 
is actually fairly new. Kevin Nash, he's fairly new to WWF at this point and is pretty green. And he has and he's intercontinental title and he's challenging Brett for the world championship. Um so yeah, I just wanted to point out that like there's there's some real uh backstage maneuverings happening, uh obviously with this event. Yeah, for sure. Um this is another decent match though, I gotta say. Um Yeah, if I'm gonna like a Jeff Jarrett match, <laughs> it's this one. Yeah, begrudgingly, of course. Um, but I mean, Waltman, you know, he flies around the ring. He's, he's like so, so quick. He's so fast. Yeah. Um, he he beats up Jeff Jarrett, and I mean, it's like a four minute match or so. Um, did you have anything, any particular moments that that caught your eye um, there? Well, there's another great Art Donovan line. <laughs> oh, good. Of, uh, I do believe he asked how much the one two three kid weighs. Yeah. Um, but he says uh, Jeff Jarrett has a nice tan. And he must have been in the islands recently. <laughs> He's a redneck from Nashville. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you wrote all these quotes down. Uh, I, I feel like I feel a little, like a little bit of a slacker that I didn't write them down. I just kind of, I just let him sail by and and tickle my brain. Yeah, yeah. But there's a he nails um, Jarrett with one of those spinning heel kicks that looks really nice. Um, yeah, I, I hope that thing was stiff. I hope Jeff Jarrett felt it. Yeah, but sadly, after one, two, three, kid gets the sneaky wrap up pin, Jarrett uh, lands like three or four pile drivers on the one, two, three, kid, putting his tournament future in jeopardy. Mm-mm. Dun dun dun! Will he make it back? We don't know. And like Art Donovan is flipping out through this whole bit. He doesn't understand why they're beating him up and it's not fair and that like they should call the police and <laughs> and like this isn't this isn't right. He how, how's he's gonna break his neck and <laughs> poor Art Donovan, he just needs a hug at this point. Now please please explain. Please somebody please explain to Art Donovan what's going on. So we do take a break in the tournament here to present the singles match for the WWF championship between Diesel, Kevin Nash, who has Shawn Michaels in his corner. And he's going up against uh, Bret Hart, who is the champion. And Bret has Jim Neidhart, his, you know, of course, former Hart Foundation partner in his corner. Um, So on the last, let's see, oh, on the WrestleMania 38, episode actually you talked about watching um ronda rousey versus charlotte flair and how exhausting it was to watch one person basically carry the entire match that's kind of how i felt watching this thing because in no way shape or form is diesel ready for this level of match or placement you know in an event um and so bret hart like works his ass off with somebody who's like one and a half times his size um, to put the to put him over. Yeah, Brett is dragging Diesel through this match. It wore me out. It wore me out to watch it. Yeah, it was really, really a difficult match to watch. Um, yet it's Brett, so it's always engaging. And Diesel, for being as young as he is here, he's he he's doing okay. But like, he was not ready to to no. face Brett, and and that's why this match is in the middle of the card. Like. It's it's not good, and I think it's just WWE <laughs> at this time uh, grasping at straws to find someone to put up against Brett because this is this is in the middle of Brett's run where he's defending the title every week on Monday Night Raw. Let's throw Diesel at him now. Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, we're, run, we're running out of guys over here. Yeah. Um, there are some things I really like on this one. I think, you know, as usual, Brett's sort of instincts and storytelling are impeccable. He works on Diesel's legs throughout the whole thing, right? Sort of like chopping him down, chopping him down so that he can eventually get those gigantic tree trunk legs into a, a sharpshooter. Um, and and then, of course, the, he has a whole lot of selling to do because, again, Diesel's like one and a half times his size. Um, so I think, you know, for all the heavy lifting, uh, literal and figurative he had to do here. Um, he really, he, Brett does what he does best, which is figure out how to make the other guy look as good as possible. Yeah. Um, while also being convincing as an athlete and competitor. We get Art Donovan summing this up really nicely for us. Um, oh, yes, please. So Art Donovan points out that this is like David and Goliath. and gorilla just says yeah we all know how that one turned out and then art is silent for a second and goes yeah he hit him with a rock (laughs) thank you art donovan (laughs) and this has been sunday school time with art donovan but then there was actually a really good engagement between art donovan and macho man in this match uh where uh art donovan says that Jim Neidhart looks like he could have been a lineman and macho man says, well, that's, he was a lineman. He played for the Raiders and also used to do track and field. And he held a record for throwing the anvil. And that's where, uh, Jim got his nickname. So like we actually had like art Donovan and macho man, like bantering, telling a good story to tell while doing commentating. And it's like, so like there's these little, little brief glimmers of like, genius commentary coming out of art donovan but then it gets drowned out by this like crazy ramblings that he just suddenly spits out of his mouth at random times how much does that guy weigh how much does that guy weigh (laughs) so there's some shenanigans involving um jim neidhart at the end of this one and this is actually the sort of the end of the heart foundation right or were they already over by this point they're already over but they were still allies and this is where you start getting the hint that anvil is turning heel and he starts hanging out with owen of course who is also right turning into a shithead right because he's already upset that like uh brett won the king of the ring and that took him on to win the championship at wrestlemania but Owen beat him that night. So we're right in the heart of like the building of the tension between Pratt and Owen. Yeah. And then of course, Owen and um, Anvil would go on to sort of become the new heart foundation, right. And sort of taking up the mantle and um, not right. Being not being anywhere near as cool, obviously. Right. And actually in near the end of this event, Owen and uh, Anvil actually do the heart attack on somebody. Hmm. So in terms, okay. So do you remember very much of this match? Because um, I have to tell you that I'm, you know, super jealous that you got to see like <laughs> prime mid '90s Bret Hart in the flesh. Um, so there is a there is a couple moments that I do actually remember of this match. There was the 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 moment where Diesel falls trying to catch Bret jumping from the top rope. That is very memorable because like the match had been pretty clean. And then, like, suddenly they're just, like, stumbling all over the ring. And you're like, what the hell happened? Like, even live, you're like, what the hell was all that? And then I remember, like, Sean getting knocked out because that was a huge pop in the crowd. I just remember getting super excited seeing Sean Michaels get his. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would be pretty excited about that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's, and even now after just watching it, this is the second time I've watched this pay-per-view in the last year, actually. Um, I actually watched it around April of 2021 as well, just because I was like, hey, I was at that. Let's watch it. And this match just isn't very memorable. And I think that's just because Diesel wasn't doing great. And then it has a shenanigans of a finish um, where Anvil runs in, causing the disqualification. Um, and for some reason, that pisses off Brett even though Brett was about to lose. So yeah. And then like, there's a, there was a weird ref bump, which I don't think was intentional um, because the ref actually doesn't go down. Nothing weird happens with it. Um, And then there's also this beautiful darling Baltimore child that is in the (laughs) third row. And he is just giving double birds to diesel the entire time. And I just kept looking at it. I was like, is that a young Tim Hackman? Is he actually at this too? And he doesn't remember because he is, he is sinking him in on diesel. That sounds like, that sounds a lot like me actually. And like, he was sitting right behind the old lady that was screaming asshole the whole time. They sound like a delightful family. Yeah. I, I'm sure they, they probably were family or if not their neighbors and they know each other, they live yeah. on the same block. They go to the same snowball stand. <laughs> And they sit in the same section at the O's games all the time. <laughs> Lovely. All right. So are we ready to resume the uh, tournament for the King of the Ring? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, there was a shot of the governor of Maryland. Oh, right. He was right, ringside. Right. So we got a quick glimpse of him there. William um, Donald Schaefer, right? He's, yes. He looked like 100 there. I mean, I know he was always kind of old, but um, he looked uh, extra old. So next up is the semifinal round for the King of the Ring tournament. And we've got Razor Ramon back again versus Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotunda back again. Um, two really incredible talents. Match and like the Owen versus one, two, three kid match. They're both spectacular matches. Um, in my opinion, they both are great. Uh, they are. This is this is the heart of the pay per view that's coming up right now is is those two matches and the and the tag team championship match. Yeah, these are. I mean, the quality of this thing throughout is just is off the charts. And I don't. Yeah, I don't know. We I don't. We haven't watched a WrestleMania honestly that has had this level of matches all the way through. So I, I would highly recommend this one. Razor Ramon takes the win in this one. I think he he kicks IRS. I think. Um. Yeah, he kicks IRS and actually gets him in the razor's edge, like yeah. the ra- and lands the razor's edge kind of out of nowhere. These guys are like kind of going back to their um, NWA roots here of like they're it's a real kind of like grind out headlocks, Irish whips, clotheslines, strikes kind of match. Um, nothing really crazy fancy or anything like that. Um, IRS does take a, a tumble over the ropes and he eats some steel steps and a pretty convincing hit uh the old lady is giving the irs some real shit outside of the ring just jesus like she should have a mic and just cutting her own promos on him like oh god she probably thought he was an actual tax man she probably has a lot of tax problems most likely most yeah. likely probably hitting her dead husband's uh pension railroad pension too hard yeah. or something um but yeah razor gets the razor's edge on on irs and it's and that's it one two three yeah, it's kind of like you said, sort of that NWA thing. Um, and the so the grind out, and then also sort of the ending out of nowhere, right? Like, right. You know, he's kind of just like, oh, there it was, and then it's over. 
Right, because it didn't seem like IRS had been beaten down enough to like for Razor to do like the whole Razor's Edge on him, like hoist him up. Like he kicked him, did the little taunt where he sticks his arms out to the side, and then he hoists him up over his shoulders and stuff. Like it didn't seem like it had been that much of a fight. And then suddenly he's up there and out he goes. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Well, I mean, they had uh, about five minutes there, so maybe got to the got to the time limit. Like, all right, time to go yeah. home. Yeah. So the other semifinal match is Owen Hart versus the one, two, three kid. So they make a big deal of like, you know, is, is the one, two, three kid going to make it out here after getting all that beat down those pile drivers and, you know, the camera kind of hovers on the tunnel for a long, long time. You don't see him. You don't see him. You don't see him. Oh, and suddenly there he is. And he's, he's making his way down and he's stumbling and you can tell he's beat up, but he's, he's a tough guy, even though he only weighs like 85 pounds. He's, he's going to get down there. God damn it. He's How much does that guy weigh? <laughs> Not enough, because he is tiny. <laughs> he has been beat to hell. He's eating a cheeseburger or something here. Yeah. Um. But no, this this is another uh, spectacular match. And like while we're waiting to see if the one two three kid is going to come down, Macho Man says, "If you're just tuning in, I caught that too. What the hell, dude? It's a pay per view, and it's more than half over. You think someone finally, finally, like." Okay, I guess I'll tune in and watch it. I guess I'll cough up to 30 bucks and see what's happening after missing half of it. Let's with see. The, with the second <laughs> semifinal match. I think maybe like flashback, he thought he was calling superstars for, yeah. uh, for a second there. He's on Saturday Night Main Event or something like yeah. that, calling that. <laughs> if you're just flipping over from Johnny Carson, here's what you missed. <laughs> yeah, no, Owen Hart takes it to him pretty much right away. He gets a, a beauty of a power bomb and then yeah. throws, throws him in the sharpshooter, taking his brother's move. Kind of a kind of a dick maneuver there, Owen. They're doing a ton of countering and they're bouncing around off the ropes and, and hitting each other. It's it's really good stuff. And like the ref is wrapped up into it because if you watch the ref, he's counting super fast. He's like one, two, and then like kick out like Jesus, ref, like calm down. Like he's really hyped up and keeping the speed going, but there's there's two spectacular things where the uh, one two three kid goes to hit Owen off the ropes with a spinning heel kick, uh, but Owen catches him and turns it into a German suplex. Um, that was crazy. And then the kid goes for a hurricanrana, uh, but Owen holds him up and gives him a power bomb and then slaps him into the sharpshooter like you said, and it's just two spectacular moves in this match just it was this was like the future like this match you could put this match on like next week's aew dynamite and one it would be the best match dynamite has ever aired and two <laughs> and two it would totally fit in with everything you see on there um it's it's modern day wrestling happening 20 some years ago yeah hell almost 30 years ago yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's fantastic. You know, I think when I when I see stuff like this, I just I think, God, man, how how talented was Owen Hart? Seriously, like, what a what a loss to the to the business yeah. and to the world because he is just so good. And this is um, just the beginning for him. Yeah, you know, still. And I think pairing him up with um, Waltman is actually is a genius idea because it lets them, like you said, lets them both lean into their strengths. You know. Yeah, they're moving all over the place, and it's really a, a fascinating and interesting match. The match only lasts three and a half minutes, um, and you're sort of, I don't know, trying to catch your breath afterwards. Yeah, because, I mean, if it went any faster you or, like, any longer, you would, we'd, you'd start sweating. and you'd just pass out. Man. Yeah. I look like Mike Rotunda over here. 
So the next match, uh, we're going to take a break from the tournament again and have a tag team match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. So the Head Shrinkers are the champions. That's Fatu and Samu, and Fatu, of course, being Rikishi. Um, and they are with Afa, who is their uncle, I believe, right? Right. Um, and Captain Lou Albano, who we haven't seen in quite a while. He was real big in the 80s, but um, I don't remember him very much from this era. So I think he had... Maybe you can refresh. This my is memory. his comeback. I was going to say he had gone away and come back, right? Yeah. Um, and they are going up against Crush, uh, former third member of Demolition that nobody asked for, uh, and Yokozuna, who are managed by both Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. So the gimmick there was Mr. Fuji was Yokozuna's like Japanese manager, but then of course they needed an American manager to navigate all that stuff, and that's where. Cornette comes in so this is again this is a tag team match for the championship and this is another fantastic match like I yeah didn't remember how damn good the head shrinkers were but those guys are freaking incredible yeah they're mean they're fast they know their shit they're strong like as hell yeah they're super strong and like even Afa he's the, <laughs> he looked ring ready he looked ready to go and like Captain Lou was actually even looking a little little thinner than normal and bit buff, but like three of the four people in the ring are related to each other. Cause uh, Yokozuna is Rodney Anoa'i and he's also, uh, he's another cousin to the Fatu Rikishi. and yeah. Fatu and Samu. Sorry. I was about to call them Afa and Sika. I was like, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the other ones. That's the other ones. Um, Yokozuna, Afa, Fatu, Samu, all related in this particular match. And of course, it immediately starts off with the traditional no-sell of the Samoan headbutts. And if you've noticed really carefully, Yokozuna no-sells the first headbutt too. But then then they headbutt him again, and then he goes down, and he does like a crazy, insane, scary uh, bump to the outside through the ropes. And I was like, I don't think a 600-pound man should be should be tumbling like that. That, ooh, that looks scary. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yokozuna, uh, you know, is getting progressively larger at this point uh, in his career. And like, he's really starting to sort of, I, you know, I think he's, he's almost slowing down a little bit. I don't know if you noticed the same. Um, yeah. Art Donovan, of course, is very interested to know how much he weighs. Uh, 600 plus pounds is what Macho Man tells him. Macho Man and, and Gorilla are now getting a little irritated by Art. And so <laughs> yeah. the answers are becoming shorter and uh, a bit snappier in tone um but most of this match art is just complaining that mr fuji's flag is blocking his view of the ring <laughs> it's such an old guy to thing to say you know? that guy his flag i can't see past it like i believe down that is front. literally what he says <laughs> down in front um that's so funny but yeah no i i don't i don't even know where to start with this match because it's just it's a slugfest and yeah and those they, two those two head shrinkers especially and like holy cow like there's a i don't remember which one it was does like a sort of turnaround um like kick at one point that looks like that looked really tough yeah um, they they are experts at the at that like reverse crescent kick yeah uh, they're better at the super kick than uh sean michaels is yeah samu tries to body slam yoko which was pretty funny looking uh that wasn't gonna go well yeah that was uh 
This this was a this was a hard hitting, fast moving tag match, which is hard to believe with Yokozuna being in there. But he was moving around too. Um, he eats a ring post real hard, like it rings to the arena. <laughs> God knows if he just had like a piece of metal on his hand to make it sound really convincing, or maybe that someone noggin uh, ate the post a bit. Um, but it was it was really tough. Uh, the crowd collectively went oh when uh yokozuna did a leg drop on the back of uh fatu's head yes i actually had to had to rewind that a couple of times because the crowd pop was so incredible he gets up there man yeah and then there was also a really questionable tag and even gorilla monsoon was like i'm not sure they actually tagged there um (laughs) just at one point in the middle of the match samu and fatu switched (laughs) great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this one of them got out of the ring, the other one got in, and like I don't think they tagged. Um uh we also saw Crush put on some really impressively strong maneuvers too, like just like picking up uh both uh Samu and Fatu at different times just with ease and throwing them around. It's it's really impressive. And then Lex Luger shows up in his what the fuck is he wearing? Like clown patriotic. I, yeah. I put down Mork and Mindy esque looking patriotic, but yet generic looking uh, tights and too short t-shirt. Yeah. It's um, it's a sight to behold. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. He didn't need to be involved in this, honestly. And there's enough, there was enough no. stuff going on. I think it was overbooking it just a little bit. Um, yeah. Crush botches a couple of things. He does a, pile driver on one of one of the guys like the sit down pile driver yeah and the guy's head is like basically it's kind of like laying in crush's lap when he lands so it's not even like anywhere close to convincing and there's a move right yeah. after that too where he sort of like dropped does he drop somebody i can't remember actually now that i this is why i should write things down but we talked a little bit about crushing brian keith adams is his real name kind of getting a little bit of a, a shitty uh, turn in WWF you know they brought him in as that third member of demolition and then I think it was Axe right who went off or no Smash who went off sorry and became the repo man so it was Axe and Crush for a while and then that gimmick was over and so they're like hey you're gonna be Hawaiian now Hawaiian but bad Brian but bad so you've got some face paint for no apparent reason and you're gonna be wearing the world's ugliest orange outfit and you're gonna feud with a clown yeah and, and I, yeah you know i sort of like he's a, he's clearly a talented and athletic dude he's huge um but also they just never quite found the right yeah they, for kept, him. they kept putting him in weird tag situations he's even part of the nation of domination near the end right yeah it's just kind of it was kind of like they wanted to keep him signed but they also didn't know what to do with him and then that also makes me wonder because he was part of that bone street crew with the undertaker yokozuna and the rest of the Anawai clan there. Uh, so they were and like uh, Henry Godwin was one of them as well. Uh, so it's kind of like maybe that was also some backstage politics. And that's what was kept keeping crush around was that he was, he was tied connectly uh, strongly to the undertaker. Who's definitely a company man. And, and they're yeah. pulling their sway along with, um, with the click and stuff. So, it's kind of a interesting little thing that we get exposed to with this pay-per-view, especially is just like, okay, well now we're going to put crush with Yokozuna. Oh, Yokozuna is <laughs> another bone street crew guy. Yeah, that's um, true. 
Brett also claims that at one point uh, the click asked him to join and he refused. And so that's why there was heat between him and Sean the entire time, supposedly. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah. So Crush uh, actually from Hawaii. Yeah. So he's legit. Yeah. He actually um, was in the Air Force and started boxing in the Air Force and he was stationed in Japan. And that's where he sort of got introduced to wrestling he trained with uh antonio Inoki, who's of course a huge name same guy who trained ron simmons and butch reed and like a ton of other guys that we've liked this is rich with a fact check ido matsuda was the trainer of ron simmons and butch reed not antonio Inoki. came in in 1986 as part of demolition i believe yeah it's hard to believe he was around that long that he came in in 86 and was still like part of the nation and domination like 10 years later yeah well maybe that's that's i'm probably wrong about that actually he didn't come into wwf until 1989 sorry but 89 90 91 still that's a good run for somebody that was never really in a title hunt or anything like that like this is this match might actually be the closest he ever gets to going for any kind of gold in the WWF. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong, but this is, hey. the, this is the one that I can remember. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> well, all you crush fans out there, you know what to do. You can do your research and, uh, and send us a note at uh, all the WrestleManias at gmail.com or on Twitter at, at WrestleMania pod. This is Rich with another fact check. Crush joined Demolition in 1990 while Demolition were the tag team champions. Thus, Crush technically does have a tag team championship reign. So, fantastic match. Take a look at it. It's um, uh, it's it's another good one on a really strong card. Actually, the only thing on this card that I didn't like is the very last match, and we're almost there. Yeah. Um, but first, we get the King of the Ring final, and of course, if you've been paying attention, we've got Owen Hart and Razor Ramon left in the tournament. Yeah, so this match is also awesome. Yeah, um, <laughs> they whew. Razor is fast; he's keeping up with Owen, and like Razor is like, but he's Razor's more of a muscle guy, so he, he's more of a, a puncher and stuff like that. And, but like after seeing Owen. And one, two, three kid working at the speed of light. Like this match feels a little slow, <laughs> but it's still actually, if you watch it by itself, really good. And really the only thing I really noted was that like razor was so over. Yeah. Crowd was super into him. Could have maybe been the new Hulk Hogan instead of Lex Luger. <laughs> like they, they, they hooked their wagon to the wrong guy. Like razor was the guy to ride here. They should have thrown him more money to keep him in WWE. Um, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he um I mean he had way more personality than Lex Luger. Like Lex Luger always just kind of like yeah, he looked great and like he could do the, you know, he could stand in for Hulk Hogan sort of physique-wise and he could move and stuff in the ring, but like there's just not much else there to really hook, you know, again, hook your interest yeah. or make you stay around. Where somebody like Razor Ramon, you're like, "Oh man, what's this guy going to do next, right?" Like so, yeah, yeah. And he's he's got the machismo. He's got the he's got the promos. He's got the he's got the ring work. He's got the look. He's got a I don't know. He's got a toothpick. Yeah. Anyways, him and Owen are really doing 
are doing work, but like it looks like Razor's going to get it. And oh, by the way, Razor is the one that Art Donovan picks to win this tournament. So suddenly, right. Art, Art Donovan actually has some insight. It feels like because here's Razor in the finals, um, and he seems to just pick him out of nowhere. Like <laughs> I don't know. I think he just liked his haircut. Yeah, that, that first match, he's like, "Yep, this is my guy." Yeah, well, he's even saying it before the first match. He's like, "Razor, I think Razor's going to win this one." Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and this this is where Anvil completes his turn, he his uh, heel turn, and uh, helps Owen win this one. Um, Owen lands the most beautiful elbow from the top rope in this match. Yeah, I saw that too. I hoped that I was hoping that Macho Man would say something about it. Cause yeah. it's, a, it's a Macho Man esque flying elbow. It's amazing. You know, this match actually shows sort of Owen's um, versatility, right? So he can have that super fast match with the one, two, three kid and then turn around and have this sort of more, you know, slug fest kind muscle of match. slug fest match. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that we've always called out. I I'd like to turn everything back to Bret Hart. That's one of the things we always called out about Bret Hart, though, is he could have, yeah, the match that the person in front of him needed to have to make them both look good. And I think you know, there's sort of a similar thing here. Yeah, but that flying elbow um, was something else. Yeah, and there was there was some subtleties that like between Owen and between Bret, like both Owen and Bret did something in this match that. I, I think needs to be called out and that's they're both aware of where the camera is at all times. If you watch the diesel and Brett match, notice that diesel is actually closer to the near side of the ring, but Brett goes to the far side of the ring to climb the ropes to deliver his, his second rope elbow. And that's so that the camera gets a perfect shot of him. And then diesel moves a little bit further away. And yet he still goes to that corner to do that again. And then Brett also does that with the, with the bulldog off the rope as well. He does it from the far turnbuckle so that the steady cam can get the direct shot of, of the action. Um, and it, it has to be intentional because it's so often. And then Owen does the same thing where he climbs the far ropes with that elbow so that we can get that beautiful shot of him flying through the air onto Razor Ramon. Yeah, you get the full thing. He doesn't come up out of the top of the frame or he doesn't go off to the side. It's like he's front and center. That's a good observation. I don't know that I'd notice that. But now, of course, that you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, this is a really good one. Obviously, Neidhart chips in and, and helps Owen get the pin, uh, making him the the king of the ring. Uh, there's, of course, a big coronation ceremony afterwards. He names himself the King of Hearts and acts like a total douche. It's it's an interesting moment, and Art Donovan is very upset. He's very <laughs> upset by the behavior, and he asks Gorilla and Macho Man, did you behave like that when you were in the ring? And Gorilla and Macho Man completely ignore him. Just yeah, they just plow keep through talking. what they're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're clearly trying to get through the text that they need to get through um, in relation to the coronation thing that's happening, right? And like Art is still trying to sort of make conversation um, when they are. Yeah, they've got a program, right? And they're trying to get through it. Um, I felt bad. I kind of would like to hear their answer to that, honestly. I mean. We all know that Macho Man did. (laughs) (laughs) But literally, that's his move, among other crazy things. So, poor Art. But, yeah. Um, And then, 
this is the only match that kind of takes the wind out of this one for me. The, I guess you'd call it, you, it's not really a main event. It's the last match, but it's not really a main event. No. Um, it's this kind of grudge match between Roddy Piper and Jerry the King Lawler. There's a long package about their little feud. I guess Piper helps some you know kids with cognitive disabilities or something, and Jerry Lawler made fun of them. Um, so Piper, you know, of course, is the being the man of the people that he is, has to defend them. And uh, Lawler makes fun of Piper's skirt, of course. It's a kilt, Jerry. Everybody knows it's a kilt. Piper is coming back here, right? After having been away for a while. He yeah. looks like a million bucks. I, he, Oof, he's in movie shape. Yeah. He's been tanning and, and doing the crunches, that's for sure. Art Donovan should have said, oh, he looks like he's been in the islands. Art Donovan does say that uh, Jerry Lawler should have been a preacher. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know uh, what that means. Yeah, like he was he was taken away by Lawler's uh promo that he cuts at the opening and like you can also see two uh very classy young Baltimore ladies uh giving Lawler the business and then Lawler just laughs at them and their response to him is uh two middle fingers but with the thumbs out to the side in real Baltimore <laughs> fashion. Um, hell yeah brother real classy great great job Baltimore Um, you also during this match you can hear someone in the crowd screaming come on come on you piece of shit Uh, (laughs) as well nice Um, yeah and the old lady that we've been following through this entire event she's losing her complete shit through the rest through the whole show she's actually sitting while trash talking these people and like just leaning her head around the person in front of her this match, she's standing up and giving Lawler the business. <laughs> God, she hates heels. Jesus. Whew, she was fire. She's into it. If uh, anybody out there knows who that lady is, if that was your grandmother or something, I'm, <laughs> please, I'm, I'm, please so, reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah. We want to talk to you about your, me- your memories. Cause I'm assuming she's dead. Um, but we would love to hear some stories from that lady. They still bill Piper from Glasgow, Scotland in the announcements. Like, no one's buying that. Like, he's even talking about being Canadian and helping this kid's hospital in Toronto. Every time he says Saskatoon, it gives it away. It's the world's thickest Canadian accent. Yeah, even when he's like in that, there's a promo earlier in the show that's just for Coliseum Home Video folks, uh, where, where he talks about how what's the first thing he takes off when he gets home? And it's like, it's, uh, they, I have six kids. I take my pants off first. Like it's so Canadian. It's so yeah. Canadian. Like it's this all Canada. I kind of wish he were still around so he could get a, a guest spot on letter. Kenny, you imagine if he showed up on the show, <laughs> that would be great. Coming in with the accent. How are you now? Yeah. Uh, they have the live pipers come out for him. Yeah. Um, they are terrible. Yeah. Holy, sh- holy shit. They're bad. They're like, I know bagpipes are traditionally a bit out of tune, but Jesus fucking Christ, they're <laughs> out of tune. They're not even in beat with their drummers. Uh, it's God awful. And then, and he, Piper doesn't come out with them. They just come out and they play. And yeah, then they, the recording of a real Piper band plays. Right. And that's when Piper comes out. <laughs> yeah. They come out with Scotland, the brave, which is very traditional, you know, fife and uh pipe and drum music that you hear in the parade in the police parade every time and then the audio recording is of course piper's actual theme which is made of fife yo 
much, yeah, much more proficient <laughs> bagpiping. I noticed all these details because there's nothing fucking happening in this match. No, it's 12 minutes long. Um, there's a fan who's with Piper who's wearing a Piper t-shirt and a kilt and who is doing a Piper impression throughout this whole thing. Like he's talking like him and kind of throwing his head around like like Roddy does. Yeah, and he does a really good impression. He does. He does. So is he supposed to be one of the like kids with cognitive disabilities from the home? No. Like, I couldn't tell. So like he's some kid that Lawler digs up to pretend to be Rowdy Roddy Piper to confront no. So like he even says, I have Piper on the pi- on on the oh right right on right. the show, and like he comes out and like he gets on his knees and he does his little Piper impersonation, asking Lawler for forgiveness. But then the kid turns on Lawler eventually, as all kids do. Right. So I mean, it's a the the kid's got a really good impersonation of Roddy Piper. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, please, oh please, Jerry. Like, yeah, yeah, he's good. So no, there's there's nothing really to recommend here. I mean, I think the things to watch for are the the crowd stuff that Rich mentioned. Um, you can marvel at how good Piper looks uh, when he comes out and takes his shirt off, and like he look like you say, he looks like him. He's in movie star shape. There's some shenanigans with the kid at ringside afterwards. Piper gets a suplex on him and gets a pin to win. There's uh, yeah, it's kind of a letdown after a really amazing event. Yeah, so like this match. This thing is actually kind of setting Lawler up for like his biggest WWF push to date. And this is where he's about to enter into the feud with the Hart family. Um, and I think this is this is like the the beginnings, the early machinations of that bub- bubbling and brewing. Because remember, Piper and the Hart family have connections. Um, so it's kind of tied in with that. The only other reason why I could think of is that they still feel like there's a power vacuum without Hulk Hogan to headline a show. And so they take two other really big names. Uh, Lawler was already really well known because uh, Baltimore is one of those uh, Southern territory cities. So they would assume that the wrestling fandom of Baltimore would already really know Lawler and his ring work. And then Piper, obviously big time. He's been there a lot. Um, so I thought that they're maybe just doing this out of name recognition for these guys, but this was not the sh- the match to end the show with. Any of the matches in this show would have been a better main event than this match. Even like the opening Bam Bam Bigelow IRS match <laughs> would have been a better yeah. main event than this. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like you said, Diesel's probably a little too green to have put that match at the end. But that tag team match could have been the final. And of course, the King of the Ring finale could have also been the last match. Did you guys stay till the end of the show? Yes absolutely jesus christ no i'm i am not really the type of person even to this day that will leave early i mean you saw that with the aew show i i wasn't thinking of leaving for a moment during that like sting presentation speech that happened after aew went off the air in dc i'm normally a stay to the finish i need to see every last moment of it i don't care how much traffic i need to sit in in the parking lot wow that's hardcore i'm a start thinking about my exit like the minute i sit down kind of guy (laughs) Um, we go to a lot of nba games and uh, at the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter is when we leave that's it like that's your choice like that gets you out the door across the street to the parking garage in your car through the gates and onto the street before the last buzzer sounds and the all the flip fans come flooding out like they do at that uh, Clippers game and drive or Ryan Gosling drives into the garage. So anyway, well, that's, that's an essential difference between you and me. I think 
the only few things I can remember leaving early was like there was one one concert where Bryn and I left early because we didn't. It was like, oh, I know what they're playing for the encore. I've heard it before. Let's let's just go. Let's get out of here. This is this is over, kind of thing. But yeah, we've been to see Bob Dylan a bunch of times in like uh, minor league ballparks, and he always, always, always ends with all along the watchtower and like a rowing stone, which you know, fantastic songs. But I've heard them roughly one billion times each. So like when he when he goes out for the before the encore, I'm like, well, let's hit the road, and then usually we get to hear him as we're walking through the parking lot. So. No harm, no foul. Any other um, big memories you have of this event? I mean, what a what an amazing thing to see live. I mean, I'm, again, I'm yeah. really, really jealous. I mean, this is my first live WWF show that I went to. Uh, a few months after this, WWF would be back in Baltimore with the Heart Attack Tour, and I went to that. That's when I dressed like Paul Bearer and got to get in the ring for a Paul Bearer lookalike contest. I got picked out of the crowd uh, for that. Yes. That's also the event that I got licked by a bushwhacker. Never forget. Yeah. And that was the first time seeing The Undertaker live at that one. That, so that was spectacular. And that's where Brett and Owen faced off in that at that one as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, that was the event that we're leaving. My dad, they had just finished the light rail in Baltimore. And my dad uh, made a turn too wide and we're driving down the light rail tracks. And I'm like, dad, you're driving on the train tracks. He's like, what? (laughs) It's part of the road. I'm like, dad, it's not part of the road. Get off the the train tracks. And there's a light rail like parked at the Camden station and is ringing its bell already because it sees this moron driving 1991 geo spectrum down the train tracks. And it's like, Dad, you're, you're on the tracks. And he's like, oh, I guess I am on the tracks. He'll swerve. Like, he's not going to swerve, Dad. He's, <laughs> he's a, a train. train. <laughs> That's not how trains work. <laughs> a traditional dad line. He'll swerve first. Yeah. <laughs> he had to be kidding, right? Yeah, Come yeah. On. And then he All drove right, off, the, then he drove off the tracks. Good. That's a good yeah. joke. Good job, Big Rich. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad. Thanks for sharing your memories of this particular event. I'm really glad we could get into and talk about it um we won't do the usual best worst no shit because i think again the whole the whole card start to finish well almost finish is really top notch highly recommended it's a relatively short one of these pay-per-views so you won't burn yourself out if you go back and watch it we have a few more of these that we want to do like i said i went to a raw in like 98 and i have been able to figure out which one it was so i'm going to try to watch that one on the peacock yeah you had another couple of things yeah i went to uh the survivor series where uh it was brett and diesel i want to say it was the 1995 survivor series that was in landover maryland uh survivor series back then used to be my favorite pay-per-view i loved the four-on-four tag elimination tag matches i love those and then i also went to i want to say it was a no mercy that was in baltimore the main event was undertaker versus brock lesnar in like a nightstick or chain match or something like that and there was a blackout and all I can tell you is that when you're in an arena and they do a blackout spot, it is completely disorienting and very confusing as to what the hell's happening. Um, so it comes off kind of cheap on television frequently, but if you're there live, it scares the crap out of you for a moment. Um, AEW does it too much now, but yeah, uh, um, back then you didn't do that. Like, and that was, that was creepy and scary. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine that being a little bit scary. Um, the other one I, I just realized that I went to was WWE Capital Punishment, which was at the Verizon Center 
in 2000. I just had to look it up. It was 2011. Interestingly enough, so Verizon Center is pretty big. Um, attendance at that one was 98.50 um, per Wikipedia anyway. And attendance at the Baltimore Arena for this one was 12,000, which is a much smaller place. So interesting. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's also interesting is that I was looking at like the house show attendance because uh, I found this website that has like all the house shows that were in Baltimore. And the attendance for the house show that I went to, which was the heart attack tour, was five thousand. Hmm, interesting. So I'm I'm questioning that twelve thousand number for the King of the Ring here. Yeah, yeah we can does. Google Google like seating capacities at some point of the of the Baltimore Arena. Yeah, maybe off the air. Yeah. Well, but we are going to put up that picture of your uh, Jerry Lawler rules sign on the blog or on the um, on the podcast website, so you can check that out as uh, multimedia content as you listen to this episode. Those who performed in this event that are no longer with us are Art Donovan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Gorilla Monsoon, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, Mr. Fuji, Luna Vachon, Bam Bam Bigelow, Mabel slash Visera, Owen Hart, Yokozuna, Crush, Captain Lou Albano, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And this episode is dedicated to my grandfather, Richard Marion Sigwell. As always, you can find us at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at, at WrestlemaniaPod. You can send us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We love your questions, your comments, your, your not-so-constructive criticisms. Honestly, whatever you want to send us, we're, we're up for it. We love it all. <laughs> so, in the meantime, thanks for listening. And I am Tim. And I am Rich. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.